But right now it's time for Art is Real, uh, of course. I'm joined by Andrew Bell, our curator at the Hocken Library. And special guest, Matthew Galloway. Welcome to both of you this morning. Kia ora. How are we today? Yeah, good. Yeah, very good, thanks. Beautiful Otipoti Thursday. The sun yeah, is shining. Sun. Yeah, it's a bit nice. cold in the shade. Just a little bit. It, it was frosty when I walked to work. There was ice on cars this morning. Oh, and I was just like, what is going on? What is happening? Then I realised oh, I live in Dunedin and it makes perfect sense. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> right, we're here to talk about, um, well, I guess not your recent work, but you've had a, a, an exhibition, and I guess um, from your original exhibition at the Blue Oyster, the, the grounds swallows you uh it's kind of expanded and morphed into something um big and in a direction maybe it's, it's gone places that maybe you wouldn't have dreamed of yeah that's right i think um you start these projects with um you know i guess like this initial inquiry mm-hmm. and you you don't really know where that's going to take you and definitely in this um particular scenario it's taken me all kinds of places yeah so perhaps we could start just by describing a little Matthew's practice yeah um so you work across quite a wide range of media I guess in terms of sculpture installation um graphic design publishing um are there any particular overarching issues or concerns or ideas that you're kind of looking to explore through your work or you kind of um any particular topics that you kind of are interested in yeah i think that my practice kind of started as a publishing practice really yeah, yeah. um so as a as someone who's working both as a designer uh, and an artist mm. um i found publications a really interesting venue to mm. um, make work because mm-hmm. um, they have this power to kind of be distributed out yeah. to people um and i through that process of doing publications, I realised that there's a real political aspect to that, yeah. to this idea of you know distributing content, mm-hmm. um, and so I think that that is the heart of my practice really. Yeah, but sure. what's happened in the last couple of years, and I think the ground swallows you is, um, you know, was a real turning point for me in this respect is that those publications started to kind of explode out onto the walls and into the spaces of galleries and, mm. and almost like the research that I do that would start the publication would lead to this body of work that has become more and more sculptural as yep. time has yeah. gone on yeah. in this weird way we're like I don't even know at what point I suddenly was like oh okay I think I've got like a bit of a sculptural practice yeah. going on yeah interesting <laughs> Um, but yeah, as a starting point, so the the ground swallows you, which we've mentioned a few times now, just for any listeners that didn't have the opportunity to see that show when it was first presented at the Blue Oyster, could you tell us a little bit about um, the, yeah the starting point for that work and what it was? And, yeah, sure. Yeah. So the ground swallows you begins with an observation that I made um, from my house uh, over on the peninsula, mm-hmm. uh, looking back at the Ravenstown factory um, yep. across the other side of the harbour. Um, I just got really interested living there and watching boats come and go from this factory. Um, Initially I was just like, man, boats are amazing the way they kind of silently come in, Mm. yet also they're massive. Uh, They stay for a couple of days and then they're gone again. Um, And, you know, unless you live on the water or near the water and you see them, you're really unaware of the fact that we're so reliant on these boats for kind of everything. you know, trade yeah, trade yeah. everything we kind of need. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 down yeah. the bottom of the world, really far away from everyone else. Um, but anyway, I started to research these particular boats because um, I was also aware of uh, phosphate 
um, which is what they were bringing to that factory, sure. being potentially mined or coming from um, this place called Western Sahara, mm-hmm. uh, which is a disputed territory um, just below Morocco, on the top western edge of Africa. Um, and I was just kind of interested in finding out more about, you know, that situation and whether um, these boats that were coming to this factory um, had any link to that situation. Mm. Um, so I started researching the boats um, on marinetraffic.com. Ah. Um, just kind of like <laughs> tracing their, um, yeah. <laughs> um, their origin. And it turned out that as they were, yeah, they'd come along, I'd, I'd look up the boat, and they were literally coming here straight from... Um, the port of Leon in mm. Western Sahara. Yeah. Um, so there was this tangible link to this disputed territory um, that is controlled by Morocco, um, where the indigenous people of that territory have been forced to flee to refugee camps in Algeria, mm. um, while Morocco mines their natural resources and sends them to New Zealand, where it gets turned into phosphate. Uh, sorry, fr- from phosphate into fertilizer, and we use it um, on our you know, farms and yeah, right. agricultural and so it's massive impact sector. on our yeah. economy mm. and, and a, a lot yeah. of other nations have banned the import of the phosphate from there's there's differing approaches from differing nations. So um, places like Australia there has been some kind of halting of the import. Mm-hmm. Um, Canada they still go ahead with it very much like us. Um, there are different um, superannuation funds like um, for instance the Norway Pension Fund which Mm -hmm. is one of the biggest ones in the world the biggest investment funds in the world they um, have come out and said we're not going to um, Mm -hmm. invest in anything related to Western Sahara or trade with um, Morocco through Western Sahara Um, so there's varying degrees across the world of people being like um, we're just going to do it anyway. Mm. No one's really told us, or there's no, the the legal situation's very, um, you know, um, complicated. Or you know, like it's easy to say, oh, you know, there's no no one saying we can't do it. Uh, and then there's a lot of people saying, look, this is ethically really yeah. um, wrong, and we're not going to do it. Yeah. How do you go from a point where you're researching this stuff, you're looking at the boat tracker? I quite often look at the plane one myself. Uh, <laughs> it's quite interesting. Um, but how, how do you go from um, looking, researching this and, and seeing where it comes from and, and what is actually happening to creating a body of work? Where, for, through reading and, and researching, does the inspiration for the pieces come and the installation? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I think that research is. Um, kind of amazing because you start with a question or a a really simple line of inquiry like where do these boats come from and you don't exactly know where it's going to lead you and that's kind of the point as well is that through research you start to find things that um you know you don't know and I, I often kind of say you know, if you started a research project knowing the outcome it would kind of be redundant yeah so my point um part of the project is almost like the research process itself is open to the public. So I've done a couple of newspapers in um, the Ground Swallows You series, I've done a, a bunch of different um, shows, and each show was a chance for me to kind of reveal my latest thoughts or mm-hmm. um, a interview new... Interview different people. Yeah, yeah, I, I interview people. Um, so like in the first newspaper I interviewed um, Jacob Mundy, Mundy, who's like a um, world-leading expert on the, the conflict in Western Sahara. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, again, that's me being someone who knows a little bit about this thing but not a heap of stuff and, and bringing in experts that do know it, a heap about it. Um, but for me, like, I guess the starting point was I was interested in the fact that we are connected to this polar opposite 
side of the world to a place that couldn't be further um, removed from us yeah. in yeah. terms of being this barren desert yeah. land where nothing really grows um, where you know like peace is just so far from a reality um, where um, yeah people have been dis- displaced um, and yet you know there's this tangible connection with us a country that kind of sees itself as peaceful and kind of like a world leader and in, um, in terms of um, you know, uh, as economic growth and all these kinds of things. So, mm. I think that um, that idea of everything being connected is is a kind of quite poetic and universal truth behind the project. And I think for me, even though the project has a really strong focus on one particular issue, I'm always looking at you know, the, how, concerns, yeah, 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 broader concerns that can be talked about through the project. Yeah, for sure. And um, I just wanted to touch on, so your research actually took you out to the Western Sahara yeah. uh, on residency. Yes. Was that late last year? It was, it was this time last year, this like literally, year. I think today, a yeah. year ago, I oh. was like flying to, oh, wow. to Madrid and from Madrid yeah. um, I met with a bunch of artists who were going on this residency and we flew um, from Madrid to um, Algiers, which is the <laughs> capital of Algeria, mm-hmm. and then down to the bottom of Al- Algeria to Tindof, which is a really small town. From there we got in jeeps in this kind of convoy and um, travelled through the night and through a number of military checkpoints to get to this refugee camp. Um, uh, actually it's, I think, maybe four or five camps, um, mm-hmm. and there's about 160,000 refugees living there, and they've been there for about 40 years. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they hosted us, stayed with a refugee family. And they have a, a, an active artist-in-residence program, don't they? Yes. This is quite That's, a crazy yeah, concept yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they do residence it every year, <laughs> and they, they, really yeah. va- they value what art brings yeah. um, to their cause in terms yeah. of um, it being a, a, a way to you know, open up conversation and mm. um, yeah. distribute, um, I guess, like the message. Because it's such a, it's a kind of crisis that has been going on for such a long time, but mm. no one really knows about it. Yeah. But, I mean, definitely, I did the project as an observer in Dunedin, looking at this issue that connected me personally and our city and our country to this crazy place. I didn't realise that, kind of, six months later, I would be going to that place. Yeah, yeah. It's intense. It's really intense. And then from there, um, this work has gone to other places. Um, Yes. It's been shown in exhibition in Spain. You've installed it there. Tell us a little bit about that. So, yeah, from from there I came back to New Zealand, I did a second newspaper publication that was kind of about my trip, and mm-hmm. um, I, I showed that at the Dallas in Wellington alongside a new sculptural work. Um, it's then been shown, uh, it's currently on in Spain uh, in an um, exhibition called uh, Province 53 um, Art Decolonisation in Western Sahara, mm-hmm. um, which is the first, I think the first and definitely the biggest most comprehensive international survey of artwork to do with that region. That region yeah. um, so that's really cool. And um, that work that's in Spain is basically a reproduction of elements that were in the first show in Blue Oyster. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of cool because, yeah, again, as I said, every time I do the show or, or get a chance to exhibit to do with this particular body of work, I do something new. Um, and this is the first instance of kind of a reproduction of... Um, elements that have been shown before, um, but it's really nice to see it. You know, only I've only seen it through photographs because mm. I was up there. Yeah. Um, yeah, to see those elements shown again, and just that idea that yeah, you can show something at, in Dunedin at Blue Oyster, and yeah, you know, and then 
can just evolve. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. can I ask? So I'm just looking at a photo of that work. So it's got a kind of a vinyl decal treatment over the windows, a drum with a phosphate yes. in the drum, and then you've got two stacks of the publications. Mm-hmm. The publications they were in English, I'm assuming. They are. Yeah. Yeah. We we talked about getting them um, uh, translated. Translated. Yeah. But it was. Uh, the yeah the timeline was too short. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Um, yeah. English is pretty commonly yes yeah spoken. Yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, oh, I mean I can't help but want to focus on the political side of things. Yeah, mm, fascinating. Yeah, I think definitely. Um, you know, for me, it's gone from being well. I think alongside the the art project, I've I've become like really active. Yeah. In, mm. in this issue, um, mm. and it's really interesting for me personally to kind of reflect on. The, the function of the art gallery or yeah. the art space and kind of like getting this message out here out to the world mm. versus just like pure activism yeah. and um, yeah. I think both have their role um, but what I'm really interested now um, and have been for the last year I guess especially since I came back from Western Sahara um, is actually starting to kind of try and talk to the people um, involved in this in New Zealand and try and get some change. Mm. Um, so I've been talking to members, uh, board members of the phosphate companies. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife's family are um, dairy farmers and mm. they've really got on board yeah, with this because one of the big issues is that actually the farming um, community don't know about this, yeah. Mm. Yeah. yet they yeah. are actually kind of like cooperatively owning the yeah. phosphate companies yeah. uh, the fertiliser companies like Ravensdown but they just haven't been given the information to be able to say hey we don't, we're not happy with this going on yeah. Um, uh, yeah so we've been talking to heaps of people been and um, been featured in the Dairy Exporter magazine oh, nice. so that's been Excellent. kind of like um, that's been interesting <laughs> quite cool um, yeah. but also there's you know like emailing politicians um, trying to you know get people on site and one really interesting thing um, which I'm just, I guess I'm interested to see how it plays out. Is that Jacinda Ardern actually has been to the camps? Oh, um, so right. she um, she knows about the issue. Mm. Um, uh, an activist that I'm working with from Norway, um, Eric Hagen, he um, has also met Jacinda Ardern earlier, maybe ten years ago, mm-hmm. um, through this. Um, through his lobbying of the situation, mm. um, and so we've been kind of emailing back and forth a little bit, um, but that was then the election happened and yeah. everything went crazy. But yeah. I'm really interested to say, okay, well, like you know, she's talked about it on, on a number of occasions and written about it mm. um, as you know a formative part of her kind of you know yeah. experience and in, in terms of getting to where she's got, mm. um, and so it will be interesting to see whether that turns into actual change because one thing that the phosphate companies um, continue to say is well the New Zealand government doesn't tell us we can't do it so we'll just keep doing it mm. Yeah. Um, mm. well I mean you, you see all around the world um, the different governments moving and um, different investment funds like you were talking about the Norwegian uh, investment fund but you know KiwiSaver over here mm. are pulling out divesting, uh, divesting uh, in crude and arms yep. and the like and you see the yeah. big uh, conversations around conflict diamonds mm. and, and whatnot. Um, and so this you know this phosphate is coming from land where people have been displaced uh, um, and uh, people have been killed and mm. uh, and obviously uh, 40 years in a refugee camp um so we're making big movements on that but yet there's so many things like this that are, uh, are simmering underneath the water that we don't really know yep. about mm. um, and, and we should be making big moves and, and do you feel like that, that may happen? Are people going to listen or starting to listen to this or is it still purely economic? 
Oh, I think it's purely economic. I, th I think that um, it's really hard for me to tell because the minute you become really aware of something and it's kind of your issue, you see it or you're aware of it and it feels like something, you know, th there's more of it out there or mm. that is simply because you're kind of more, you know, aware of it. Yeah. So it's really, it's mm. really hard to know. I think, you know, the, at the moment it's providing cheap phosphate to New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, and I think until it starts to hurt them in the pocket, yeah, I don't imagine that um, they've got any motivation to change that practice. Um, or, as I said, unless the government actually says, look, we're going to step out of the situation, that by continuing to buy phosphate, we're backing... Um, the Moroccan occupation and yeah. making it profitable. Mm. Yeah, I mean they I mean, wouldn't be doing it if it wasn't profitable. Exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. They, yeah. They, they'd be out of there. Otherwise, it would just be a large patch of um, land that makes nothing for them. Mm. 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 But but one would imagine also if if you took New Zealand out of the picture, there's always going to be another buyer. There, there will be other buyers, um, but I think that there, you know, like New Zealand. If you look at the um, the numbers, and I don't have them in front of me, but New Zealand buys a lot of it, yeah. and so does Canada. Yeah. And between Canada and New Zealand, um, I kind of feel like usually what happens is if one of us stops doing something, the other one will too. Mm. Um, yeah. uh, and I think that if those two countries stopped, it would be you know, quite a big signal to, to send to, to Morocco. Um, yeah, I mean, having said that, there's all kinds of other issues there, like, for instance, wind farms and solar energy are starting to be um, put into Western Sahara, again, because, as yeah. you said, it's like this big block of kind of yeah. like yeah. very lowly Fucking populated land, yeah. um, and, and they're selling that as green. So com companies are going in yeah. there to, to, to produce green energy mm. to sell to, you know, what they were trying to do is sell it to European countries to offset their carbon emissions, and that's really interesting, too. Yeah. You know, this yeah. idea that Gosh. green en energy is mm. usually seen as such yeah. a yeah, like strong ethical kind of like thing yeah. and yet it's again kind of linked to this mm. disputed territory mm. Wow, that is really interesting and I guess, you know, Strata Gibraltar is not too far away, is it? So mm. it's easy enough yep. to run a cable yeah, across that's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And, and again, like the idea that ships are, at least you can see the ships come and go but like yeah. cables under the ground, you know, it's like yeah. it's hard to trace where the energy's coming from. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow, that, that, that's amazing. So um, where to from here for this project? Is it um, going to um, continue to grow? And uh, are you taking it to some other yeah. places? I, I really don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, it feels like every time I think it's over, it kind of comes back again so I was also in Argentina in August mm. and I um, uh, to install a show that was also related to the the project was the curator there someone you met while you're in residence yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so Jose um, um, Iglesias is uh, the curator that selected me to go to Africa and then he um, uh, cool. yeah kind wow. of put on this show in um, Argentina and um, got me over there which was really really cool um, and that was interesting because it was a show of contemporary artists alongside um, kind of artists from um, the refugee camps, some of the mm. young Sahrawi um, <laughs> um, artists that they're kind of, um, they're doing some really interesting stuff. Uh, and so it was like this, this really cool exhibition that brought together um, elements of kind of traditional Sahrawi kind of responses um, that are, he again, heavily political yeah. alongside kind of like yeah, um, contemporary artists from Spain uh, mainly Spain, uh, South America, and me. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, but 
yeah, I don't, I don't know where the project goes from here. I'm kind of, I'm moving on to some new work, um, but I like the fact that the project will just kind of keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. I just love the fact that you know, if an academic was looking at those ships and then ended up writing a paper, that thing could get lost. Um, but it's another way of, of, of talking about the issue, and it could get published. Um, but I, I love how art can kind of do the same. Th- I love how art can be so political and do the yeah, same thing. It's a platform, and, for, yeah, be another yeah. platform and a, 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 and a visual voice, mm. um, other than just words on a piece of paper, which is just as important and powerful. Uh, although you do that as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> so next up, yeah. next up, you're showing at St Paul Street. You're saying, yeah. So yeah. that's right. I mean, the, yeah, the, there are elements of the show that keep going so yeah yeah, the Spain show and the Argentina show are both kind of on for the rest of the year Uh, and then um, the flags that I originally showed um, uh, in the camps and then they were part of the Dallas show I did earlier this year Um, they're going up to St Paul Street in Auckland to go in the window space there Mm. Um, so that's cool yeah yeah and then hopefully something else coming up in Dunedin yeah year. so I'm, I'm working on a show at the um, public art gallery here Dunedin public art gallery cool. um, which is in the very early stages at this point um, it will be a new project yeah but s- similar in that you know it will follow this thing that I've been doing in my practice which is a research project of sorts with sculptural outcomes and mm-hmm. prob- and most likely a bunch of newspapers or mm. some kind of publication with cool. writing and contributions from other people um, and similar kind of themes around I guess like n- identity and yeah. politics in New Zealand um, and how that's connected to stuff happening all around the world um, but I, yeah I can't talk about specifics <laughs> right now there's just like Still so much days. like swirling around in my head watch the space see yeah. art doesn't get any more real than this <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it fits yeah. the show so well. Uh, all right, cool. brilliant. We'll have to leave it there. But thank you so much for coming in, Matthew. It's been a pleasure having you here. Yeah, thanks for having me. And um, Andrea, as always, love to have you here. And uh, see you again in a couple of weeks' time. Yep. Uh, so, so look out for uh, Matthew's work coming up next year at the DPAG. Um, and you'll be able to go online to find um, your well, this um, work, the ground swallows you as well, and and look at the bits online. Uh, do you think maybe we'll come back to Dunedin at one stage in the future? Who knows? Who knows? Or <laughs> 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 it's, it's almost time.